Hey guys, I am so excited to announce that we are coming up to our Mosaic Conference November the 14th to the 16th here in Los Angeles, California at the Theater at the Ace Hotel. So if you haven't registered yet, go to mosaic.org slash conference and you can be a part of what God is doing. The theme of our conference is the new, which shouldn't surprise anyone because everything we do at Mosaic moves into the new. We're always looking to the fresh. We're always looking to the future. And it shouldn't surprise us that God is always about the new. He gives us a new covenant. He places in us a new heart. He gives us a new spirit. He makes us new creations. Whenever you connect to God, you're always moving to the new. So how in the world has the church been so trapped in the old when God is always about the new? That's what we're gonna be focusing on at the Mosaic Conference, November the 14th to the 16th. Register right now. Don't forget, go to mosaic.org slash conference and register right now. We'll see you at the new. You can have a seat. Well, good morning, Hollywood. Good to see you guys today. You want to say hello all the way to South Pasadena. Can you guys welcome everyone in South Pass? Good morning, South Pasadena. We love you guys. You want to go all the way south and say good morning, Orange County. Man, we know you guys are crushing it down there. Can you guys welcome everyone in Orange County today? We're going to go west, Venice Beach. We kind of envy you and we love you. And we pray that God would just do an amazing thing there in Abbot Kinney. We know there's a huge festival in Venice Beach. So connect, have community, and watch how God will work. Can we welcome everyone on the west side today? So we've just begun this series called The Human Connection. And we've been talking about what are the unique compositions that allow us to walk together and to experience things like community and friendship and and family and a sense of belonging and, and even intimacy and love. It's an odd thing that something that should be so natural to us feels so challenging, doesn't it? The thing that we long for the most, we seem to struggle with the most. And whether you are here and, and you're a person who can't imagine life without God or you're a person who can't imagine God actually existing in this life, one of the things you know without any, any confusion is that you're created for a relationship. There's something odd about us as human beings. Even when we say we don't believe in relationships, we desperately long for them. I had a friend years ago, years ago, when I met him, he was an atheist, and he told me he did not believe in God. He'd been through a brutal, brutal, painful divorce, and he said he did not believe in marriage. And as he was sharing with me his life, he said he did not believe in love. And every other word was this extreme, profane declaration. And, and, and this is the first time we ever met. <laughs> and after about two hours of listening every other word, just being this uh, really, really strong descriptive, I said, wow, you really care what I think. He goes, what do you mean? I don't care what you think. And, uh, and I said, no, you do, because you're hoping I'll be offended by your profanity. And so you're trying to get a reaction from me. That's how much what I think matters to you. And I said, I, I actually think that you believe in God, even though you say you do not believe in God because you're so angry at God that you have to believe in God to be angry with him. And, and I said, and you're in your 20s, and you say you do not believe in marriage, but, but when you were married, you held on to that marriage more than any human being I've ever known. You went through more pain, were willing to take on more humiliation just to hold on to your marriage. I actually think you believe in marriage maybe more than anyone I've ever met. 
It's amazing now, years later, he believes in God, is married, and, uh, and profoundly believes in love. And what I've come to discover is that no matter where you are in your spectrum of belief, a huge part of your life story is trying to figure out how you fit in to this world. And we don't have to fit into 7 billion people. We just need to fit into a few. It, it's amazing. If, if we don't feel, fit in with anyone, we feel as if no one cares about us. But if we find one person who loves us, we feel as if the whole world is good. Your perception of all humanity will be filtered through the health of the relationships you have in your life. So I want to talk to you about one of the secret ingredients of, the, of those who are able to have high-level relationships. If you ever watch someone when they're in their zone, it's kind of amazing, right? Well, when, you, when you get to watch the, the Michael Jordans or the Tiger Woods or the Serena Williams or, or when you watch someone at their highest capacity, it, it's almost as if it's a, it's a superpower. And have you ever watched someone who's just really good at people? They're just really good at being human. They're really good at relationships. They're really good at connecting. In fact, they're never looking for friends because they have so many. You want to be their friend, but you're on a waiting list. Have you ever been on, seeing that kind of person? You're like, what is it about that person? And, and it's so hard to identify sometimes because if, if it's the fastest person in the world, you can time it. See, if they can jump higher than anyone else, you can measure it. If they're stronger than anyone else, you can actually weigh it. But, but what are the ingredients of those individuals who somehow have the deepest relationships? Who seem to not even struggle with that. That elusive space of community, of intimacy, of love. I want to leave with you with one verse today. It's in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11. Paul says this, therefore encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. And I want to give you one of the secret ingredients to community, to belonging, to friendships, to making the human connection. It's simply encouragement. This word encouragement is kind of a beautiful word if you think about it for a moment. The word to encourage means to put courage into someone. And so when you encourage someone, you are actually putting courage inside of them. And when you feel encouraged, it means somehow someone got inside of your soul and pulled out the fear and put in courage. I'm convinced that's why many people join us here at Mosaic. They join us not only here on our campuses, but from all over the world. Even people who do not believe in God. I have so many friends who are just so resistant to God, but they join us all the time. And, and, and it's almost as if they're trying to filter through the God part to get to the courage part. Because every human being desperately needs encouragement. And I can tell you that your relationship to encouragement will have a vital effect on your ability to be, build meaningful connections with other human beings. In other words, if you discourage people, they will actually pull away from you. And if you encourage them, they'll actually pull towards you. So we should kind of begin with a little personal assessment. 
Are you encouraging or discouraging? Do you encourage or discourage? And you might think, well, I don't know. It's a spectrum. <laughs> it depends on who it is. It, it depends on if it's my husband. It, it depends on whether it's my kids. It depends on who it is. But, but here's the reality. If you're not encouraging, you're discouraging. It says, therefore, encourage one another. And so if you're one of those people who likes commands, because I meet people like that. Well, the Bible says... And and they're always focusing on all the discouraging statements. But I want you to hear, here's a command. Therefore, encourage one another. So if you want to leave with a command from God to you, you are commanded by God to encourage other people. So do not use your faith or your self-righteousness to justify discouraging people and pointing out all the problems in their life because he's therefore encourage one another and and build each other up. If you want to build people up, the material with which you build people up is encouragement. I don't know where we got this, this shattered view of the way we're supposed to invest in each other that if, if I can just discourage them, then they'll step up. You know, if I can point out all their weaknesses, then they're going to get better. Somehow we have this jaded view of humanity that if you encourage people, you make them weaker. So I I realize that that, that, that it may be hard to self-identify. So I want you to take just a moment if you'll let me. I want to self-identify maybe two or three different kinds of discouragers. Just in case you need a moment. (laughs) Say, am I a discourager? So one, one kind of discourager I would call the black hole. The black hole is a person who never discourages. They just never encourage. And so you, you can't catch them discouraging. They just don't encourage. And, and yet, you know that moment when you, you're sort of naked because you did your best, you gave it your all, and you're waiting for that affirmation, and it doesn't come? They just look at you. And you're, you need it so badly. You just need someone to say, you did a great job. Well, that moment when you did this, that really stood out to me. Or, wow, you showed up. Anything. You just need anything. (laughs) But they just look at you. And so you can't ever pin them down as being discouraging. You just can't ever pin them down for being encouraging. And if you're not encouraging, you're discouraging. And if you do not make the effort to find people doing things well, you're actually an emotional black hole. Because there are people who need you to affirm them. There are people who look to you. And here's, here's, I think, the dangerous thing. When you're an encouragement black hole, the people who are closest to you will be most damaged by you. Because they so need your affirmation. Their identity is affected by your reflection of who they are. And if... You give them nothing, they feel like nothing. So maybe you're, you're a black hole. You don't discourage, you just don't encourage. And because of that, there's this loud, thunderous silence that lets them know you still disapprove. There's a black hole, but there, there's also the um, truth teller. <laughs> wow. 
See, sometimes the discourager is actually the truth teller. I'm not a discourager. I'm just not into lying. I'm not going to tell people what they need to hear. I'm going to tell people the truth. You know anybody like that? Are you somebody like that? I'm just telling you the truth. See, if you start with that, you already know who you are, okay? And if when someone says, wow, you're really discouraging, or wow, you're really negative, you go, I'm just telling you the truth, that's who you are. You're the truth teller. You use truth as a way to discourage people. Because it says right here, encourage one another and build each other up. So if when you are telling the truth, it's not building people up, but tearing them down, you know you're not encouraging. You're using truth as a weapon to destroy rather than a gift to strengthen. And by the way, it does say you should always speak the truth in love. It doesn't say you should speak the truth and love. Because <laughs> then you'll save love for later and you just keep on with the truth. Or you'll use the truth as your justification. That's my proof that I love. Now, if you actually do not love someone, then your best strategy is silence. Because you are incapable of bringing the truth in a way that makes a person better. So there's a truth teller. So if you're always telling people the truth, it, it, you need to realize you're only telling them the truth you see. And the problem is that you don't see all the truth that needs to be seen. And then there's one more, it's the humbler. You, you ever been around the person who's the humbler? That's the way they encourage. They encourage you by, well, okay, I see that you did it well. I, I see that you're awesome. I see that you're developing, but, but I don't want you to get arrogant. So my job is to keep you humble. <laughs> Just in case you want to know, there are a lot of occupations out there. And, and there are a lot of intentions and a lot of callings. But nobody here has been called by God to be the humbler for someone else. <laughs> And so if you think your job is, I got to keep him humble, you know, he's really, he's crushing it. And everyone is telling him how awesome he is. Not me. I'm going to keep him grounded. I'm not going to let her think she's all that. See, if you're a humbler, that's rooted in arrogance. Because you cannot celebrate someone else's greatness. Come on, come on. So those are just some of the different facets of the discourager, but I really want to focus on encouraging. In fact, I love the way this verse is lined out. It says, therefore, encourage one another and build each other up because you're not doing it. That's not what he says. Okay, that's the way we do it. We would encourage each other by telling each other how we're falling so far short of what we should be doing. But he doesn't. He says, therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. Do you hear him encouraging them? I want to encourage you to encourage and I just want to let you know you're doing it really, really well. I just want you to do even better because you're so awesome at this. You should even become more awesome. What would happen if we actually began looking for the awesome in people? 
So, by the way, there's a power here. Think about this, how strange this is. To encourage. It, it, it gives you the power to shape the inner world of another human being. That, to me, is just, it's just absolutely mind-boggling. That human beings can affect each other at the deepest, most transcendent level. Which is why we're described as open-loop creatures. We humans are open-loop, which means we can actually be affected by the outside environments. If we were closed-loop, nothing would affect us. If we were closed-loop, if we came in discouraged, we'd leave discouraged. If we came in encouraged, we'd leave encouraged. Have you ever been in a really great mood and you walked into a room with people who were really depressed? And you came in like, the world is awesome, life is awesome, I'm doing great. And everybody else is like, oh man, life is just so bad, and I hate my job, and, 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 and it's just like, I, I, you know, my relationships are just in, in just horrible, and you leave discouraged. You ever just, you have people in your life, the moment you're around them, you just, you start deflating. It's because you're in open loop, and your open loop connects to other open loops, and what's inside of them gets inside of you. It, but in the same way, have you ever been really discouraged or just had a hard day or just, you're just feeling emotionally fragile and, and you're weak and all of a sudden you get around hope and optimism. You get around people who have courage and faith and it just fills you up. It's kind of amazing, isn't it? You can actually be affected by the environment that you're in. In fact, you will be affected by the environment you're in, so you need to make sure you choose the right environments. You ever charged your phone all night, and in the morning you got up and your battery was dead? Wow. I've done that. It's really frustrating. It's really frustrating when you make sure that the one end is properly connected. <laughs> and you wake up in the morning and you realize, oh, that's right, there are two ends to this. <laughs> See, what's happening is that we are designed for relationship with God. And we keep trying to charge each other and charge our souls by being connected on the one end, but we're disconnected on the other end. And so we're these open loop creatures that are just getting temporary fills. Because we encourage each other, but we all know we leak. We have a moment, we're just, you're gonna leave here, you know, I'm just so full of, of courage and faith and hope. It's gonna last you a good 20, 30 minutes. Because the moment you leave here, you're going to just, it's a slow leak. For some of you, it's a fast leak. But I'm saying for a lot of you, it's a slow leak. And so we have to keep coming in and, and giving each other soul to soul resuscitation. But the endless source of encouragement is actually the God who created you. Because that open loop is supposed to be connected to God. And he's supposed to be the source of what's being spoken into your soul. So I want you to see that encouragement is one of the, the things that makes you relationally sticky. 
So you need to know that we can actually make each other more courageous. I hope you pick that up. You can become more courageous by being around more courageous people. And, and, but here's the thing. You have to have courage to give courage. So you need to know what's inside of you because whatever's inside of you is what you're giving other people. So if inside of you that you're cynical and you're bitter and you're angry and you're fearful, that's what you're going to pass on to other people. And so when you're trying to give courage, it begins by finding courage. And that's why you need to make sure you're connected to the one who will make you courageous. And you need to look and see what's inside of me because I want to make people more courageous. And by the way, this is one of the questions I get so often. How do you become more courageous? And it's interesting to me how I get this question from all over the world because anyone who's trying to do anything that matters in the world is going to struggle with fear. We're all going to have a sense of insecurity. We're all going to have self-doubt. We're all going to have those moments where we just feel like our legs are so weak we don't know if we can take another step. And you have to find people who will actually breathe courage into your soul. Now, it's good to invest in people where you're breathing courage into them, but you need to make sure you're connected to people who are breathing courage into you. So we, we can make each other more courageous. And, and what's odd is that when you believe in others, they actually will believe in you. It, it's this odd dynamic. Because you may be here going, I, I need someone to believe in me. I need someone to, to breathe courage into my life. But it, it, it's a peculiar thing that if you're breathing discouragement, people are not close enough to breathe courage into you. Because you'll begin to push people away and push them away and push them away. And then you're wondering, where are the people I need in my life? There, there, there's a particular passage that's read in James chapter 3, beginning of verse 9. It says, with the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Listen again. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings We've been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. So he's telling us is, look, look, you can have all the language of worship but if you don't have the language of encouragement, there's something broken inside of your soul. You cannot spend your life talking good about God and then talking bad about people. Because this, this makes you the salt freshwater spring and you cannot get fresh water from a saltwater soul. So, so you need to deal with the very source of where things are coming from. How many words do we say a minute? An hour, a day. A week, a month, a year, a lifetime. How many words do we speak? How many of those words when we speak them are actually creating life in another human being? How many of them are actually expanding the good, expanding faith, expanding courage? How many of those are actually elevating people and building them up rather than tearing them down? So that the best evidence that you're connected to God is the way that you connect to people. The human connection is the language of God. How you talk to people is actually the praise that God is hearing from you. Yeah. 
So what would happen if we all decided that a part of our stewardship in life is to make people more courageous? To, to breathe courage into other people. To help them overcome their fears. And rather to, than discourage, to encourage and build them up. But to do that, you, you have to believe people have more potential than they believe they have themselves. Yet you have to believe in people to see their potential. It's kind of a curious thing, but you see, we all do, you see in people what you see in yourself. You see the world from the vantage point of your own soul. And so one of the challenges is, is that if you're going to encourage people, you need to catch them doing good. And that's one of the things we try to reinforce all the time as a team. Catch each other doing good. As a kid, all I felt like was I was being caught doing bad. How about you? I know. It's not our parents' fault. You know, they don't have time to catch us doing good. They only catch us doing bad because they're busy, right? You know? And I cannot just even remember how many times we were asked the question, who did that? But it was never about something good. It would have been amazing to have someone come home and go, wow, who did that? But it was always, who did that? And we are always being caught doing something wrong. Can, you wonder why our kids don't actually like talking to us? If all you're doing as a parent is catching your kid when they're doing something wrong, you're not going to have a sustained relationship with that human being. You have to catch each other doing good. And I know what happens. See, Kim and I have been married 36 years, and I just expect her to be awesome. So why should I affirm awesome? That's just Kim. So when she's doing amazing things, I may actually overlook saying thank you. Now, if she does something that irritates me, something that frustrates me, I don't think 36 years have covered it. I'm pretty sure I need to identify it, highlight it, and point it out. What is it about us as human beings that we feel it's so important to catch people doing wrong rather than catching them doing right? Imagine how people would be drawn to you if they know. Get around them. They're going to see you doing something good. No one's going to say, don't get near her. No, don't get near him. You know what he does? He's just, he's so optimistic. <laughs> he just, he sees, he sees the best in you. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Okay. You know? You can't handle that kind of affirmation. That kind of affirmation will kill you. <laughs> my, my, my grandfather's advice to my mom for parenting was, tell them that they can't do anything. <laughs> tell them they're never going to succeed. Tell, tell them that they're disappointed. And they'll be so angry at your input that they'll live their lives to prove you wrong. I think a lot of us, at least my grandfather had the honesty to say, this is my parenting strategy. <laughs> I cannot even imagine what it was like to be my mom growing up with that kind of strategy. No wonder she left home as soon as she could. See, if you want to make the human connection, then catch people doing good. But you have to believe in people to see their potential. And... You have to expect the best in people to see the best in people. If I took a survey right now, it'd be really interesting to find out how many of you think people are untrustworthy. 
And how many of you think people are trustworthy? How many people here think that people, um, that it's safe to bring people in close? And how many of you think, no, you can't bring people in close? There's an interesting dynamic in, in Genesis 4 in the story of Cain. You, you know the story. Two brothers, Abel and Cain. And Cain became jealous of his brother Abel and then kills Abel. And then God comes to Abel, has a conversation with him, and literally says the, the, the ground, the earth is crying out for the blood of Abel that's been spilled. And he tells Cain, there's a consequence to your life, but God doesn't kill him. He just tells him there's a natural consequence to the choice you've made. It's going to affect your life forever. And then Cain says something so interesting. In Genesis 4, verses 13 and 14, Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is more than I can bear. Today you are driving me from the land, and I will be hidden from your presence. But then he says something really odd. I will be a restless wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. And then after that, God says, no, no one's going to kill you. I'm going to make sure they don't. I'm going to put a mark on you to make sure that no one hurts you or harms you. God doesn't even deal with this, but, but here's the interesting thing. You see, a lot of times when we read the Bible, we assume what the person is saying is true. Well, when Cain says, you've made me this restless wanderer, and, and no matter where I go, whoever finds me will kill me, Cain has act, absolutely no empirical evidence for the reality of this assessment. He's never traveled the world. He doesn't know all those people. They don't know him. Why would he assume that everywhere he went, everyone would want to kill him? It's because Cain was a killer. So he saw the world through the lens of who he was. He had violence inside of him, so he thought the world was full of violence. He had murder in his heart, so he thought that everyone had murder in their heart. I'm telling you, the way you see the world is the best description of who you are. So if you're going to see the world as trustworthy, guess what you need to do first? You need to become trustworthy. If you're going to see the world as kind, guess what you have to do first? You have to become kind. If you're going to see the world as generous, and by the way, so much of even our economic strategies are based on a cultural perception based on our own limitations. And so we think people are greedy because we're greedy. We, we think that people will not do the right thing because we won't do the right thing. Who you are is how you see the world. In fact, we, we have this really in, intense, very complex assessment that we use occasionally. And, and one of the interesting things about it is that it has discovered that you cannot see a person's internal world except by the way they describe their outer world. So if you think there's no one out there who can be trusted, it's because you're dealing with your own issues of trustworthiness. If you feel there's no one compassionate, it's because you're holding compassion in and not letting out. You'll see, so imagine what would happen if you began to let God change your inner world. If you allowed God to make you compassionate and kind and loving 
If you allowed God to change your inner world from that salt water to that fresh water and, and, and you began to believe in humanity. You see, you cannot believe in humanity if you do not believe in yourself. That's why Jesus said you need to love your neighbor as yourself. Because until you love yourself, some of you are so self-loathing that you judge the world. In fact, this last week I had an email from a man and he sent me a most peculiar email. He said, I, I just want to ask you a question respectfully. Why don't you talk about sin? And I said, well, listen to last week's talk. I talked about sin the whole time because I was talking about forgiveness. And you can't talk about forgiveness without talking about sin. But you're right, it's not my favorite subject. And because uh, I think people already know how broken they are. They just don't know how valuable they are. And he said, oh, I missed last week. I was in Australia. You're right. I listened to the message. You talked about sin the whole time. I said, I know, I did it uncomfortably. And, uh, and then he said, but you see, I was sexually abused as a little boy over and over again by multiple people. And I'm really struggling with this. And it hit me so clearly. The reason he wanted me to talk more about sin is because of the self-loathing inside of him. When you hate yourself, you feel like hate is the only narrative that people need to hear. See, it's when you accept the grace for yourself that you want to give grace to the world. It's when you accept love that you want to bring and give love. And sometimes what we have to realize is the reason we can't encourage people is because we don't even believe in ourselves and what God can do with us. And I want you to know, you need to believe in the value of who you are and the potential that's within you. See, I believe people can change. I, I've read from so many people who, no, I do not believe people can change. I've read from, from experts, people do not change. I've seen it in films, people never change. And I've had to process this. Why do I believe people can change? Oh, it's because I've changed. See, and I know I'm not better than you. I know I'm not different. And if I've changed, I know you can change. And I know that I'm not who I was. If you, if you insisted on defining me on my past, you would trap me into being a person I no longer am. And so maybe all the experts are gonna say, people never change. I'm telling you, you can change. And you can change for the better. You can become more compassionate. You can become more forgiving. You can become more loving. You can become more generous. You can become more courageous. But you have to believe in people to see their potential. You have to believe that there is God-given capacity to do extraordinary things in every human being. And all of us have the power to love. And that's enough power to change the world. And then just one little side note. See, one of the powerful things about encouragement, and I thought we should actually go from encourage to encouragement to having an encourage mentality. That, that when you build others, you get stronger. 
I, I actually don't want this to be too self-motivated, but I, I want to tell you the truth. <laughs> See, when you build other people, it actually builds you. And when you're trying to spend your whole life building yourself, you don't build other people and you don't get built. So there's something odd. If you spend your entire life focusing on yourself, you will be in this endless black hole of need and disappointment. But if you spend your life building other people, encouraging other people, building them up in love, you will find yourself getting stronger and stronger and stronger because you get what you give. And when you encourage others, you grow in your own courage. I, I, um, one of the things that I think is interesting in this new age of technology is that your past comes back without any, any warning. <laughs> and I, I don't know how, but somewhere on Instagram, I, I don't know if someone sent it to me or what, but there was this little clip from 2002 of me being interviewed. That's like 100 years ago. <laughs> and when I saw myself, I went, wow. I looked like that once. And uh, it's been a long time. What was interesting is I was showing it to Kim. My accent was very East Coast. Like it's like a, from Boston or someplace like that. I'm not sure, but it's like I'm talking about God. And, you know, and I, had this, I had this thought, you know, and it's like even the cadence was very East Coast. And, and Kim says, you probably just came back from somewhere on the East Coast. It's true because I accidentally pick up accents all the time. And so there I was, you know, sounding like I'm Mark Wahlberg and, uh, <laughs> and in this interview. And I was talking about this pinnacle moment in my life where uh, I was 29 years old and I, I had never spoken to more than probably 100 people in my life. And suddenly with 30 minutes notice, I was asked to speak to around 20,000 people. And it was terrifying. And, and, then I, and it was this beautiful moment, but I was talking about afterwards. I said, you know, afterwards I thought, you know, it's, it's not all that. And I thought, this is really what I want to do all my life. And, and I heard myself saying something I forgot that I said. And almost 20 years ago, I, I said, I felt like God had a conversation with me and told me, asked me, you can spend your life seeing your dreams fulfilled or you can spend your life helping other people seeing their dreams fulfilled. And, and 20 years ago, I said, I, I, I chose the other. I just decided to live my life helping other people see their dreams become a reality. And here's the crazy thing about it. I actually meant it. But 20 years of Kim and I giving our lives to helping other people see their dreams become their lives we woke up one day and our dreams were our life. And that's the power and wonder of it. Because the moment you start building up other people, God starts building you up. The moment you start encouraging other people, you start finding your courage. And it's part of the power of the human connection. See, people want to be around you when they're more with you than they are without you. They don't. They're, they're not going to want to be close to you if they feel smaller when they're close to you and bigger when they're apart from you. But they're going to they're fight for space. They're going to fight to be in your oxygen. 
When they believe in themselves more because you believe in them more. See, and for me, one of the things that shifted in my life, I just never felt like I was much of anything. I never felt like I had any talent or ability or intelligence or gifting in life reaffirmed that over and over again to me. And then I have this unexpected encounter with Jesus Christ. And I start reading the scriptures and, and it appears that God is saying to me, there's more in me than I believe. That I have more potential than I could imagine. That I can make a difference in the world. And, and it was a struggle. And the ironic thing is that a lot of times we talk about our, our conversations with God as if God is always the one judging and condemning us and we're the ones who are, who are trying to fight for our value, but it was the other way around. See, it was me telling God why I couldn't and why I wasn't and why I would never be. And it was God saying to me, stop arguing with me. I created you in my image and likeness. I created you with intention and significance. I created you to do something that matters. Would you believe me? Some of you need to stop arguing with God and receive his encouragement. Because he created you and he knows you and he loves you and he values you. And I realized this morning, some of you don't even know because you're newer. Do you know that I'm Latin? You know, I'm from a small country called El Salvador. And, and my first name's German, my last name's Irish, and I'm not German or Irish. It, it, it's a huge crisis of identity. And I, and I always hated my name Irwin. It was just such a bad name. You know it. I know it. Let's just see. Like, you know, no one, no one has ever named their kid Irwin after me. Like, it's just, I didn't even name my kid Irwin after me. I'm like, why would you do that to them? I love them. You know, and, and, I, and it's not even my real name. It was an alias all my life. And we would move every couple of years in our own witness relocation program. And and every time we moved, I thought I could change my name. I could change my name. I could change my name. And I thought about changing my name so many times over the years, the decades. And it didn't matter because it wasn't my name anyway. But the reason I couldn't change my name is because my grandfather gave it to me when I was around 10 years old. Because I, I was in El Salvador, and I said, Papi, I need a good American name. And he didn't know a good American name because he'd never been to the United States, and he didn't speak English. But he wasn't going to tell me he didn't know. So he starts pacing up and down, and in Spanish, he starts telling me this name, hmm, you need a new name. He goes, it needs to be the name of a, of a genius. I'm like, no, 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 I'm a straight D student. I, I, you know, I, he goes, it needs to be the name of a leader. And I'm going, no, no, I'm not even a good follower. It's just, you know, and he goes, it needs to be the name of someone who changes history. And I go, mm, that, no, that's not me either. And, and my grandfather just went on and told me all this name need to carry. And he finally said, su nombre es Edwin. And I said, que? And he said, Erwin. See, Latin people can't even pronounce Erwin. And he starts writing it down. Eh, Erwin. I never heard that name. It sounded like a bacteria. I, I, I was like, what are you doing to me? And, but my grandfather, it's like when he speaks, it's the law. And so I walked out of that day, went back to Miami, and my name was Erwin, and it got worse. I mean, Erwin says, beat me up. It says, I am the guy you need to pick a fight with, Irwin. And all my life, I lived with Irwin, Irwin, 
Irwin, yeah, Irwin. In fact, after a while, we just they say your name. I go McManus. <laughs> I would just skip Irwin. And when Kim and I were married, and Aaron was um, already born, I had to go to a lawyer to make my name legal because my name was an alias, Irwin and McManus. It was all an alias. And I was in front of that judge, and I thought I could change my name. I got one last chance to change my name. I can walk out of here. Jason, <laughs> or, or Joshua, or, or I don't know, Zion, or something like Epic, right? LeBron, I, I, there's so many options. And, and, and I, I couldn't do it because as much as I hated the name, I only had one moment in my life where someone ever looked at me and said, you want to disappear into the backdrop of mediocrity. You want a name that makes you anonymous and invisible. But my grandfather, with all of his bizarre historical readings, decided to name me Erwin after Hitler's general, Erwin Rommel. <laughs> and I thought, I'm spending my life being named after a Nazi. And uh, although he technically was not a Nazi, but does it really matter? And. Uh, but I couldn't change my name because I had one person who looked at me and he said, you are more than you know. And I want you to hear me today. You are more than you know. You just need to receive the courage to become who you are. Would you bow your heads to me just for a moment? You may be here today and you've been wondering if you should trust God with your life. If you should cross the line of faith and give your life to Jesus. I want you to know 2,000 years ago, Jesus died on the cross for you. He rose from the dead for you. He sees you. He knows you. He loves you. And it's hard for us to understand, but God values you and has placed within you so much capacity, so much potential for good. But you need to open your life to him and let him put his courage in you. Let God encourage you by coming into your life and putting his courage into you. He will dispense your fear and fill you with his faith. If you're here right now and you're ready to trust Jesus with your life, I want to lead you in a simple prayer. Just one sentence where you can cross the line of faith and give your life to him. Would you pray with me right now? Jesus, I give you my life. Right now, just tell him. Jesus, I give you my life. Jesus, I give you my life. God wants to come into your life right now. If you just prayed that prayer, the creator of the universe has come to dwell in you. He will never leave you or abandon you. If you just prayed that prayer, Jesus, I give you my life, you may not realize it, but he just put away the old and has made you new. 
He sets you free from your past. In this moment, your new future begins. If you just pray, Jesus, I give you my life. In this moment, Jesus has given you his life and put it within you. If you prayed this prayer, I want you to let me know that right now. I want you to find the courage. If you pray, Jesus, I give you my life right now, I just want you to raise your hand and I want to pray for you right now, wherever you are. Beautiful. Right now, find the courage. Be encouraged in this moment. Let the courage come into your life right now. Hold your hand up high and take a deep breath if you just gave your life to Jesus and receive the courage that Jesus wants to give you right now. Beautiful. Anyone else? Let his courage fill you right now. Father, I thank you for the women and the men who in this moment have opened up their lives to you, have received you as their own. God, I pray that in this moment you would just wrap them up in your love and let them know they belong to you. I pray, God, that you would fill them with courage and fill them with faith and fill them with hope. And God, I, I pray that beginning today, they would become, God, instruments of encouragement, that they would join us together as we encourage one another, building each other up, even as we have been doing, that we might create that human connection that comes as we believe in each other, as we encourage each other, as we spur each other on to greatness. God, I pray that when people come close to me, they would see themselves as more, not as less. That they would find strength over weakness. That they would find courage over discouragement. I pray, God, that we would be the, a kind of community where whoever walks into this place, they would breathe deeply of courage and find the strength to live the life they were created to live. We thank you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we just thank God right now for all those who responded to him? So good. I don't know what tomorrow holds for you. I have no idea what twists and turns are coming your way in the days to come. But I'm absolutely certain of this. You can have the courage to face whatever is coming. And I wanna encourage you to be in places like this. To not try to do life alone. To get into environments where you're inhaling faith, inhaling courage, inhaling hope. Let me tell you, when you're out in the everyday life, some days it just feels like you're just breathing in pollution. You're breathing in discouragement and bitterness and cynicism. You're breathing in fear and doubt and you need to get the oxygen mask back on your soul and say, God, I need to breathe deeply of you. I wanna live a life of courage and faith for this great adventure you've called me on. Let's begin to encourage one another, building each other up even as we've been doing. Let's all stand together and close. Thank you so much for joining us on the Mosaic Podcast. I wanna encourage you to take the message you've just received, allow it to go deeply into your soul, to allow Jesus to do the deep work that only he can do. And I also want to encourage you to be a part of what we're doing here at Mosaic, to go to the Mosaic app and to become a part of the Mosaic Foundation, to become a regular giver and investor in bringing this message across the world. I want to thank you so much for being here with us. God bless you.